Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's up, Amir? We're just calling out individual listeners now? Yeah. Okay. He's going to pay us. He said he said he would donate large sums of money to this podcast if I gave him a shout out. Wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, he didn't say six or seven figures, but that was the implication. That was the implication. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what I felt. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you go. So there you go, Amir. There's your, your personalized <laughs> greeting. It's not even his birthday. It's like, not. It's just... But if you, if he's like, Hey, I want, I want to, I want to encourage this thing. I want to be a blessing to this, to the church. I don't know. He might throw your name out there too. <laughs> you sowing seeds of faith That's by right. uh, dropping names. We're sending prayer cloths too. If you want to sign up for a prayer cloth, just let us know. Yikes. Pastor PJ will sneeze on it and send it your way. Nope. Nope. That was you that we were talking about doing that. <laughs> that wasn't me. Um, Hey, <laughs> I don't even know where to go anymore. I came across an article this morning, though, that I thought would be helpful as we get into the DBR. It was titled 10 Reasons the Old Testament Matters for Christians. I thought that was helpful because sometimes we're reading the DBR and we're getting through portions of the DBR and we're going, okay, this is David. He's writing about this time. Like we're going to talk about this this in this episode, running from uh, Abimelech and changing his behavior. What does this really have to do with me? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I found some of these uh, helpful just as reminders. Some of them are basic, but some of them were, were just in, encouraging to remind ourselves this. The first one was this, the Old Testament was Jesus's only Bible and comprises about 75% of Christian scripture. 75%. 75% of your Bible, of Bible. Yeah. is the Old Testament. So for us to say, ah, it doesn't really apply to me, you're saying 73 quarters of God's word then doesn't really apply. That's a lot of scripture. Yeah. Uh, number two, the Old Testament influences our understanding of key biblical teachings. And one of the, the main ones they brought out was the fall, right? How do we really understand the nature of sin and the fall of mankind without the Old Testament? We, we really can't, right? Right. I would no- say even more than influences, it really founds it. It founds it, right. Totally. Number three, we meet the same God in both Testaments. And Ooh, this one's fun. Yeah, that's something that you'll often hear is the God of the New Testament is different than the God of the Old Testament. They sure look different. They act different, maybe, in the sense of, of how they, how they, how God, how he interacts with his creation, but it's the same God. His character is the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. I think the reason why we see a different perspective on God in the New Testament is because we see the cross in the New Testament and we mm. see the the wrath that he would pour out against all the nations in the Old Testament was poured out on his son in the cross. Um, and then so much in the New Testament is about how do we respond to the grace and mercy that that, that represented for us. Great point. Number four, the Old Testament announces the very good news or the gospel that we enjoy. And so there's so many rich messianic texts and prophecies in the Old Testament that point towards the coming of Christ. Mm. So it's good for us to spend time in the Old Testament. Number five, both Testaments call us to love and clarify what love looks like. And so in, in the Old Testament, you get the Shema passage, which is that we are to love the Lord our God with everything that we are in the new Testament, you get Jesus building upon that saying, that's the most important thing that we should do. And we should also love our neighbor as ourselves. Again, reaching back to the old Testament to grab that concept. And so it helps us understand how to love God, love others. Number six, Jesus came not to set aside the old Testament, but to fulfill it. And he even says that in the scriptures. He said, I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. He's the, the yes and amen to so many of the promises given in the old Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. Number seven, Jesus said all the old Testament points to him. 
And we get that in Luke 24 with the Jesus on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples there. He opened up the scriptures and, and showed how they all were, were pointing towards Christ. And so a, a pr- proper understanding of the New Testament is going to involve understanding how the Old Testament anticipated Jesus and his coming. So necessary. Number eight, the New Testament authors expect us to read the Old Testament. There's so many allusions to the Old Testament events, and not just allusions, but quotations and citations going back to the Old Testament. And so if we don't have that background, we're not going to really be able to grasp what some of the, the authors are talking about there. I think they expect mastery. Yeah. Like they, 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 they write in such a way where they're expecting that you're going to catch even some of the most subtle allusions to the Old Testament. Totally. Yep. Number nine, the New Testament authors recognize that God gave the Old Testament for Christians. Uh, it says in 1 Peter 1, 12, it was revealed to them, the writers of the Old Testament, that they were serving not themselves, but you. And he's writing that to Christians. That's that a good one. We understand things better than even they did at that time because they were writing for, for our benefit largely. And then finally, number 10, Paul demands that church leaders preach the Old Testament. When he writes to Timothy, uh, the, that passage in 2 Timothy three fifteen through 16, where he's talking about the usefulness of scripture, he's talking primarily in that context about the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. When he charges Timothy, be ready at all seasons, preach the word at all seasons. Uh, the, the majority of what Timothy had to preach was the Old Testament. Some of the New Testament letters were in circulation by that time, but he didn't have it codified that way that we, we have our Bibles codified today. So the Old Testament, all that to say is useful for us. And I thought that was super helpful. That was from a, a website called For the Church, which is, I think, put out by Midwest Baptist, Midwestern Baptist. <laughs> Words. <laughs> the gift of speaking in tongues is still Yes, working. that's as close to tongues as I'll get. Yeah. <laughs> no, ftc.co is the website there. 10 reasons the Old Testament matters for Christians. And it does, and we're in the Old Testament to start with our, our episode today. And that's Psalm 34 and Psalm 35. In Psalm 34, you'll see a superscription that's important for us again. It does say that this is of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he, the king, drove him out and he went away. That calls back to 1 Samuel chapter 21, 1 Samuel chapter 21, specifically verses 10 through 15. Mm-hmm. And so you can take some time and go read that real quick to gain a better frame of reference here. Maybe you remember the story, but David started drooling down his beard and acting like a crazy person. Um, fearing for his life there with the Philistines. And the the king said, what is this? You, you're bringing me this guy claiming it's David. Don't I have enough crazy people in my kingdom? And he, he sends David away. And so David then writes this psalm in response, which is interesting because it, it always kind of struck me that that was something that David did that demonstrated a lack of, of confidence in God rather than a, a confidence in God, which is what he expresses here in Psalm 34. Well, I wonder because he does talk about later in the text how he, he doesn't want to be associated with liars. You shouldn't flee from lying lips. And I'm wondering if maybe there's a bit of an illusion there that it perhaps wasn't a purely righteous act. But I want to bring up one potential conflict here, Pastor sure. Jay, that others might have noticed if they did go back and look at 1 Samuel 21. And it's here in chapter 34, the king is called Abimelech. But in 1 Samuel 21, that's not his name. The text says Achish. So is it Achish? Is it Abimelech? Who are we talking about here? Yeah, Abimelech means my father is the king in uh, in Hebrew, and so um, the the title would have been applied across the board to, to many different people. Just because one is called Abimelech here and another there, it's, it was almost more of a title than it was a specific given name. So Achish and Abimelech could be the same person, right? So there's no there's no contradiction here. Uh, Abimelech could very well be. A, title. It could also be an, another name that he went by. Lots of people had more than one name. So that's not typically, that's not unusual. That's within the cultural framework that we're expect, expecting to have happened. So don't let that mess you up. 
two people or two names, one people, one person, one people. All right. Well, in the rest of Psalm 34, David is celebrating the deliverance of God and he's praising and he, at, at all times, continually, I'm going to be praising and blessing the Lord. Um, it, just this confidence that he has that I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord. Okay. Here's something interesting. Chapter 34 of, of the book of Psalms and Psalm 35, both reference the angel of the Lord. And I believe it's the only places in the book of the, the Psalms that we find the angel of the Lord referenced. I can confirm. So a lot of people have said maybe this was one originally that David was writing about the deliverance in, in 34, but then also the reality that that deliverance does not always come as swiftly as we would like. And that's the reality of the oppression in, in chapter 35. So just some some parallels there, but the angel of the Lord, remember, is is oftentimes, and it seems to be here, a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ, incarnate incarnation. Think the birth of Christ when He took on flesh. But there were times where He appeared in a physical body prior to that. And so when the angel of the Lord shows up in the Old Testament, he's often speaking as though he's God, which is what causes us to point to the fact that this would be the pre-incarnate Christ. Why mm-hmm. Jesus? Because the Father, as we know from John four, is spirit. And so he, he doesn't have a physical manifestation that we would be able to see him as though he were a, a, a man. And then the spirit, obviously the Holy Spirit is spirit as well. So the, the only one that we could point to to say would take up a material body that we could see or that these Old Testament people could see would be the second person of the Trinity, who is Jesus. Would Jesus still be the son before his incarnation? <laughs> Oops. Uh, if if you're not up on what's going on in the trinitarian circles i don't blame you on this one because it's 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 super nuanced uh, this is a massive a massive debate right now in, in the church and that is the the uh, functional subordination of the son uh, is that eternal is that uh, has that has he always had that role is that a role that he took on at uh, at the incarnation i tend to lean towards the the idea that he's always been the son i tend not to believe that the, that was a title given to him at creation but that's a a, a role that he has always possessed um, where we get into some sticky wickets with that is when people begin to look at that as an inferior role uh, or an, a, a role that suggests that he is somehow less than the father or less than god and that's where we can't allow for that conversation to creep in because we we know that each member of the trinity is fully god that there's no uh, distinction in in rank or quality there amongst them so one encouragement i would give to you all is to really i mean we're reading scripture all together and that's a great thing there's so much to this there's so Mm -hmm. much richness and there's so many like really challenging thoughts about god and how we put this all together sometimes we might oversimplify God, oversimplify the scriptures to our own detriment. We end up doing ourselves a disservice because we're not really dealing with the scriptures as they as they present themselves. So if what Pastor PJ just said was over your head, uh, hey, maybe pick up a systematic theology textbook and just start reading through that. I mean, Bruce Ware, not Bruce Ware, um, Wayne Grudem's. Wayne Grudem's textbook is probably one of the most popular for the reason that it's readable and it's got some great hymns in it, offers a some really helpful uh, memory verses, and it's just super readable for being a, theolog- a theology textbook. Pick one up, read it, you'll enjoy it. Right. And, and since we've been talking about the Trinity and the, the second person of the Trinity in, in Jesus, you mentioned Bruce Ware. I would commend to you a book that he wrote, The Man Christ oh, Jesus. so good. Um, Short and punchy. Yeah, like really punchy good. Punchy good for the soul. Yeah. Punches your soul in the stomach. You love it. 
I think it, that that passage in Philippians, we're not even in Philippians, but the kenosis passage in Philippians 2, that, that he emptied himself is what our text says. I think Ware does a really good job of helping us see how Christ veiled some of his divine prerogatives while he was on earth mm-hmm. and the humanity of Christ interacting with the full deity of Christ as well. So we would commend that book to you. So Jesus is an angel? Jesus is not an angel. Verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord, the you angel, just said it was Jesus. The angel of the Lord. Well, angel means... Messenger, messenger, right? right. Sent one, um, one sent with a message. And so in that sense, he was dispatched with this message or he is the, the messenger of God as he is coming to these roles within the Old Testament. So the translation says angel, but we would understand that better if we're going to see this as a pre-incarnate Christ to be a messenger of the Lord. Right. In this case, that's the role that Jesus is playing. Right. Lord being Yahweh, being the father in particular there. There's a, a lot of, of praise in Psalm 34. I mean, it's it's so much good that's taking place here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's one of my favorite lines. So good. Yeah. And, and that is such an encouragement to us and a good thing for us to call uh, people to fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Verse 10. But it's important to note, and Psalm 35 balances this out. But even in Psalm 34, he begins to allude to it. Look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So even though he's saying, fear the Lord, for those who fear him have no lack. Or those who seek the Lord have lack no good thing. It doesn't mean that they're not going to suffer. Right. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It just means that we're always going to have God provide what we need when we need it, even in the midst of the valley. Oh, it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right. I won't have a, a real need that he hasn't already met. And we understand this more fully in Christ. Right. Right. It's just, we, we could read something like Psalm 34 and say, oh, well, if I, as long as I fear God, everything's going to go great for me in life. Right. And that's, that's not what the text is saying. And 35, Psalm 35 lays that out for us. And again, if these were companion Psalms, David is, is acknowledging in Psalm 35 then, okay, but yet still here's all the enemies around me. And Psalm 35 is, is kind of not kind of, it is in so many ways, an imprecatory, a a Psalm calling down judgment on his enemies, calling for God to act against uh, verse 11, the malicious witnesses that have risen up against him. Those that repay him evil for good, that cause him to stumble, um, that hide a net for him. David is, is praying for that deliverance. He's already expressed confidence that would happen in chapter 34, and now he's praying in, in 35, and he's acknowledging, okay, but it's, it's going to be ultimately according to God's timeline in chapter 35. But walking out of these two chapters, that, that concept, taste and see that the Lord is good. I think that's such a good thing for us to make sure that, that we're encouraging our families with and reminding our families about that God is good and that our kids see that and that our families see that and that other people in our lives see that, that Christianity is not this morose, just duty bound, going through the motions type thing, but that, that we serve a God who is good. And when we experience that, we need to praise him for that. As David says in the beginning of Psalm 34, my, your praise is continually on my lips. And so let's find reasons this week, today, this morning, whatever time it is that you're listening to this, let's stop and find reasons that we can give praise to God and say, he's good. We've tasted and seen that he's good. So one of the struggles we might have in reading through the Psalms is that there's things that David says that we just can't identify with. I, I don't know about you, Pastor PJ. I don't really have a lot of enemies who are trying to to destroy me or set a trap for me. I'm not driving to work avoiding big bear traps because my <laughs> enemies are trying to pop my tires what and kill me. Where are you going? Down? I know, I know, right? So, what what do we? How do we apply that? First of all, how do we think about it? Because we would say, well, that that's not my situation. That's David's, and and certainly what he's writing about is beautiful. But that's not my situation. How do I apply something like that? 
Yeah, I think we got we have to avoid over-spiritualizing text. But at the same time, I think there's a reality that all of us do have enemies, though we don't have the same kinds of enemies that David had. Mm. When we consider the armor of God, right right before that, the, the, the admonition is we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but right. we're warring against the, the, the principalities at work in this present darkness. And so there's a very real sense in which we are up against the enemy every single day that we are fighting a battle every single day. And so the, and, and Christian, if you're out there thinking that the enemy is not trying to make you stumble, not out to, to lay the, the net in front of you, you're fooling yourself. Absolutely. A hundred percent he is. And it, it may not be in, and I heard one pastor say this and I can't remember who it was, but I thought it was helpful. Probably but, me. You know, Satan is not omniscient or omnipresent rather, or omniscient. It probably was you, uh, but Satan's not omnipresent. And so he can't be everywhere at all times. Right. And so Satan is not tempting every single person every single day. He's got larger fish to fry. Totally. Right. You're not high enough on his pecking order for him to be tempting you. And neither am I. And right. But he's got legions of demons at his disposal. Right. And so I think that's a way we can resonate still with what David's saying. That's helpful. And yeah, often it may, it may not feel like it's immediately applicable, but um, it would be like a kid playing on a battleground, not aware that he's in He's in great danger. We do have enemies and we would do well to remember that, recount that even as we read through these texts and to pray for that kind of protection. Absolutely. Acts chapter 22, our New Testament reading. Uh, We uh, pick up with Paul and you remember we we had that cliffhanger yesterday where where it's just said he, and he was saying, it's like, what was he saying? Uh, Chapter 22, we get into it and he begins this address and the first words out of his mouth there, remember this crowd was beating him and wanting to kill him. And he opens up his word, his mouth to them. And he doesn't say, Hey jerks, listen, no, he says brothers and fathers. So I think you hear his compassion in referencing them as, as his brothers, his kinsmen, but also yeah. the respect that he had for some of these men that were in this crowd, calling them fathers. Mm-hmm. And you see even that he probably knew some of these men personally growing up as a, a Pharisee in training and then tutoring under Gamaliel. I mean, he, these were point. people that he had personal connections with and now they're trying to kill him. Mm. And he appeals then to say, I, I, I want to let you know something. And what he turns to is he gives them his testimony. He lays out what we've already read about all the way back in Acts chapter nine with his conversion account. He goes back with Ananias and everything else and goes through it all. And they're tracking with him until in verse 21, he says that the Lord told him, go for, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And as soon as he got to the Gentiles, that was it. They blew up. Yep. The chains were, were off and it was over at that point. It says in verse 22, up to that word, they listened to him, but then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live away with him from the earth. <laughs> like can't even live here. They hate him. Like you need to live in space, bro. We're going to put you in Elon's <laughs> spaceship and just fire you out. Um, and, and the, the centurion sees what's going on and uh in the, the the tribune does and they they grab him and they want to find out what's going on so they're ready to torture him torture him and paul says well, you're going to do this to a roman citizen and they back off real quick whoa, whoa, whoa. and they get afraid they didn't realize and the guy's like well i bought my citizenship paul's like yeah dude i'm i'm a roman citizen by birth yeah six-pack citizenship right there yeah so why <laughs> explain this to me verse 23 why if you're mad, why are you throwing dust in the air? Like, I don't want my, I don't want dust in my eyes. I want to be able to see what I'm looking at here. I don't want to have stuff all up in my eyeballs. Why are they throwing dust? I mean, I get, I get it. They're mad. They're just like, ah, you know, ah, one of those things. Why would they do that? Well, Explain that cultural phenomenon. If you think back to Job, because we were just in Job. Yeah. 
one of the it. opening scenes. Dust and ashes. Yeah, dust and ashes. I think that's happening here still. But they're throwing it in the air. They're flinging dust in the air. So they're so mad. They're picking up dirt in their hands and just ah, da, 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 or whatever they're right. saying in Hebrew. I just don't understand that. Like, I don't want, I don't want dirt in my eye. I feel like that's going to be counterproductive to my mob mentality. Yeah. I, 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 we don't know exactly what the scene looked like and how much they were like, Oh, I can cloudy. It, it got there. <laughs> I would imagine it got pretty cloudy, but dust storm. If you remember like the, the Jewish people were a very, uh, how do I put this dramatic group, Ooh, right? I the, like that. They dramatic. were demonstrative theatrical yes yes that's good melodramatic perhaps yeah when when jesus is is on trial and the the they they tear their clothes right i kind of like that i can be okay with that as long as it was a cheap shirt but throwing dust in my eye well it's the same i draw the line it's the same theatrics it's they're they're demonstrating that that it was a sign of mourning and grief and here they're anger they're they're saying this isn't we can't put up with this this is going too far why they throwing off their cloaks then what's that about like they they pick up their shirt and just like ah forget it i think they're getting ready to stone him right oh so they're just it's like taking off their outer coat so they can get ready to get more mobile right i mean when you're trying to fight somebody you take your shirt off yeah because you remember when steven was stoned saul was there paul saul at the time was there and he was holding see that one makes sense their robes okay this one i can i can roll with that one Still not sure I accept the flinging dust in the air thing. <laughs> okay, I'd have been enough. the one Jew saying, "Hey guys, let's not do that." My eyes, <laughs> you would. You'd be like, "Come on, guys, I just had my bang. I'm not. <sighs> I'm focused right I'm now. Don't mess me up. Don't mess me up. I got dust in my eye." Yeah, but uh, here's what I love, guys. Is is uh, Paul was just he was ready with his his testimony, and so as you're listening to this, I, I think that's something to to think about right now. Is are you ready with your testimony? Do you can you? I mean, here you've got a, a, a ruthless mob that's ready to kill him, and he's like, "Hey, let me tell you about how God saved me." Uh, you've got a coworker sitting next to you who is probably not trying to kill you. If he is, get a new job. Um, <laughs> But are you ready with your testimony for that person? Are you ready with your testimony for your neighbor? Are you ready with your testimony for your family member, your your mom, your dad, your your son, your daughter? Are you ready to bear witness to what Christ has done in your life and how he's transformed your life? Paul was ready and he gave it and he spoke and he was powerful with it. We need to be ready too. And I think the other thing too that we need to remember and take courage in here, this was not Paul's desired outcome. Paul didn't sit here and go, oh, well, I, I really hope they they try to kill me after I share my testimony about what Jesus has done. But that's what they do. And it's just a reminder to us that, that we can't control the outcome, right? We're the messenger, uh, but, but God is the one that's going to control the outcome in the, the lives of those that we're, we're speaking to. We can do some things on our side to make sure that we're not provoking, that we're speaking the truth in love, that we're clear. But outside of that, man, that the power to, to make that message take root is not in us or the quality of our testimony, but it's in God and his work and what he's going to do. So I'm going to be the critic and I'm going to say, well, hold on a second here. Paul never preached the gospel. And it was because he told this story that he wasn't able to share the gospel with them. So it seems like telling your story might not actually be helpful. How might you respond to that? I think it's knowing your audience. I think it's it's evaluating your, your opportunity and your circumstance. Um, yeah, that's good. And, uh, and then making that move. Yeah, we have to get to the gospel, right? We have to get to the gospel because stories don't change lives. The gospel changes lives. Right. But stories are powerful. Um, and they there's are. a reason why we do it. Yeah. Ideally, we do both. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We packed a lot into this one. Man, so much. I've had so much fun. 23 minutes have gone by and I barely blinked. Yep. Well, hey, tune in again tomorrow for hopefully another episode that'll be just as good. (laughs) Even better. Catch you guys later. Bye, Amir. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.